0: I'm Tom Dennis, CEO of Serenity and Leadership. We are premier conflict resolution, culture integration, and change makers. We help businesses overcome challenges and achieve successful, lasting outcomes whilst always putting their people at the heart of the business. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Yuandi Falloyin, who is the founder and CEO of Otito, which specializes in coaching entrepreneurial executives and serial high achievers to accelerate into more senior and, importantly, more impactful leadership positions. Yuande has held leadership positions in large corporations, but now uses her leadership experience in high-pressured environments to coach and help her clients develop the skills and mindsets critical for success and leading responsibly with integrity and purpose in a VUCA world. Welcome, Yuande.
1: Thank you so much, Tom. Really, really excited to be here.
0: (laughs) So let's go straight on with it. Let's talk burnout, first of all. You've talked about how your professional life can be divided into two phases, pre-burnout and post-burnout. Can you tell us a bit about how burnout affected you and how big of a problem burnout is in business right now?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, And it is funny hearing you say that back because it really does feel like two different two different parts of my, my life, certainly professional life. And when I think about burnout um, and how it affected me, I often look at it in two ways. So kind of my internal experience of burnout, like kind of what it felt like for me, and then the effects of burnout on my external world. Um, so internally, and I've reflected on this quite a bit, it, it just felt like so much of who I was was just breaking down. So I often say that I felt disconnected from my core. So like spiritually disconnected. Um, mentally very, very cluttered. Um, I was emotionally on edge. So I didn't realize, I thought I was keeping things together, but I didn't realize until later on when I had like family and friends say, we were really worried saying anything around you because you were really snappy. Um, And then physically just exhausted, tired. um, I'd injured myself, my shoulder, my wrist. I mean, it was, on reflection, it made a lot of sense, but in the moment, it didn't, it it just didn't register because my thinking was, if I'm still moving, if I'm still operating, if I'm still able to communicate with people and I haven't fainted, I'm not in hospital, then I must be OK. Right. So there's kind of the internal piece, the external piece, which I reflect on so much more now. And I, I certainly with the work that I do at the moment is really around my personal external uh, kind of like social um, social environment, um, I was very much socially disconnected, barely had time for anyone. But more importantly, or equally as importantly, my professional environment. So I'd, I often used to say to myself, I wonder, and this was when I was in burnout, but it still didn't click, I wonder if I would perform better or do better for my clients if I was actually able to sleep you know, mm-hmm. a normal period of time and not constantly be thinking about work not being exhausted. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, right? Um, But reflecting back, I still think I did fantastic work for clients in that moment. I was still a great team player, but I do know that my performance suffered. My impact suffered. right? And you ask the question, is it a a big problem for business? Such a huge problem because businesses are made up of people. And the most, most successful businesses are often made up of people who are certainly able to and have the potential to create high impact work and operate at their highest potential. But these are also the people who are serial high achievers, who are pushing, who are constantly moving forward. Mm. And so what happens is that it's just a rife environment for burnout because everyone wants to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing both for their sakes, for their company's sakes, for their client's sake. And then we get into that spiral of burnout, even if people don't necessarily recognize it.
0: And have you noticed that getting or changing in any way as a result of of the pandemic?
1: It's a really good question. Um, I think the pandemic definitely shifted things. So one thing that um, I've been speaking a lot about is that in the past, when you had people thinking about work, salary and uh, title would often be like the biggest factors. Now, when people are thinking about work, when they're thinking about negotiation, they're often, certainly when they come to me, but then I know when they're speaking to their companies, talking about what is the balance look like in lifestyle. Having said that, um, if I'm being honest about what my clients are saying, there is still this, and I would say, especially for the overachievers, the high performers, people who who know that they are ambitious, they're still in that in that world. Even companies who I know genuinely prioritize their people, and they see um, mind, mindset, mental health, physical health, all of that stuff. Well-being is being important. I think a lot of people haven't figured out how to connect that desire to not burn out and to work um, in a way where their health is also on the forefront with that ambition. And so I would say that while people are thinking about it more. I'm not seeing evidence that it's actually shifted. In fact, going back post-pandemic, I think people are going back into their previous patterns.
0: Mm, yeah. My experience is that uh, um, and I, I have a lot of psychotherapy friends, mm. and they're all just... They, they, they're, they're the ones that are getting burnout now because they're just working so hard. There's so many people coming to them. It's like yeah, the the, the, the stress is, is just... Um, enormous and people are having to deal with so much more now in many ways than they they had to before is that are you seeing that
1: i'm seeing that and if i could add to what you just said there i think i think there's a greater awareness which is great because then people are going out and reaching for help the challenge sometimes with greater awareness is that that can also become overwhelming So sometimes. I mean, I, I don't know that this was necessarily good or bad. The fact that I didn't, I didn't recognize my burnout in the moment, which yeah. now in hindsight seems ridiculous, was, was to some extent a blessing in disguise because I wasn't then dealing with trying to figure out how to get through burnout, especially because I didn't have the support system who could go, hey, this is what you're going through. Or at least I wasn't aware of the support system mm-hmm. and to move forward. Whereas at the moment, I think people are burnt out. They are dealing with a lot. There's a lot of overwhelm. There's a lot of anxiety. And they're recognizing that something doesn't feel right. And if either you don't have the outlet to get that support or you do, but then that's just on top of everything else, it can be kind of doubly overwhelming for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. So it seems like it's an expected part of senior roles to put your health and family far below your ambition and work life and to work longer, harder, faster. So how do we get out of this cycle?
1: Yeah. Um, so I believe there are, two, there are two beliefs that need to change, right? The first belief that a lot of people come to me with is that you can't have both. So either you have to choose ambition, um, you know, a, a, an impressive title, a high salary, or you choose your wellness and your family, right, and health. So that's why a lot of people will kind of go, oh, no, I'm just going to push through this period. Mm-hmm. And then at some point in the future... I'll be able to relax, maybe when I get that title, maybe when I get that salary, or maybe when I retire for some people. So it's just this constant evolution. But if, 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 if first of all, that's kind of your belief that you can't have both, then that will always be in conflict. The second belief that I often hear people um, say is if you are ambitious and you want results and you want impact, the only way to get that is to work longer, harder and faster, right? Because if you do more work and you do it for longer and you do it harder of course that then equals greater impact. Neither of these beliefs um, in my opinion are true um, and if you're talking about burnout it doesn't serve you in either way. So when you ask what do, what needs to happen I think first there does need to be a shift of our default state where you go actually there is a world and I think this was a big thing certainly for me and a lot of the work that I do with my clients of shifting and going Okay, there is a world where I can be ambitious. I can I can start a company. I can run a very successful business. I can potentially be even more ambitious if I take care of my well-being. Like those two things are not in conflict. They are 100% congruent. And so now it's just about me shifting that default and going instead of just going with the usual. Going all right. If it did exist, what would that look like? How could I actually do that? And then the second. Um, and I do this a lot. I have a lot of exercises that I do where it's going, let's actually look at how your well being, your health, taking time out actually helps you in being more ambitious, in having more impact, right? So it's not just a case of they can live together, but actually, there's a world where, I mean, I certainly believe that the highest performers are those who do prioritize their well being, not just because it feels good but it actually enables you to work better, to be more creative, to actually achieve the things that you want. So there has to be that connection. But I think at the moment there is still, certainly in the business world, a culture of, you know, if you're working 10 hours a day, you're gonna have more output and therefore more impact, but output does not equal impact. And I think it's, it's a bit of a lazy way of thinking, mm. And it's sometimes harder. It's kind of harder just to shift the mentality. But once you actually get to the other side, it's actually a much easier, more effortless, more enjoyable path,
0: right? And I guess it depends on the culture of the organization because if you're um, uh, uh, upwardly thrusting and you're um, and and you believe that the only way you're going to get promoted is by know the the presenteeism by being seen to be there the first in the morning or last in the office at night that's really not going to help is it
1: yeah exactly and it's 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 also it's funny that you use the word seen there right so many people certainly when they're when they're looking to either tip tick up to that you know leadership position or senior leadership position there's this idea that i have to be seen and that that's absolutely right right you have to be seen your impact has to be seen At the same time, it's like, I think people don't ask themselves, what does that actually mean? Mm. So me sitting in an office and people can see me, I'm being seen. But that's very different, right? I could spend 10 hours just sitting in an office and everyone sees I'm there, but I'm having zero impact. Whereas I could prioritize, I don't know, two hours at a certain period of time where I go, actually being seen is by the CEO and CFO so that they understand that this work that I'm doing has this type of impact and it'll help them to move forward, right? Then you're being strategic with where your effort, where your time, where your is going, which is very different from just kind of that culture of just work harder, just do stuff, right? Let's just, keep, let's just keep doing stuff as quickly and for as long as possible and cross our fingers and hope that someone out there will see us versus being strategic and thinking, well, Actually, if I go to the gym, my head's clear. So when I go into that meeting, I can communicate more effectively and my value is seen by the person who needs to and I want to see that value. It's, it's, it's such a difference in, in style. And I think it's a, it's a stronger leadership style to just doing stuff and hoping for the best.
0: Yeah. So uh, as, a, as a British Nigerian, you've been known to say you had a, an invaluable upbringing in three continents. Can you tell me more about that and, and how it shaped you?
1: Yeah, I, um, I sometimes joke to my parents, and I always forget the number, but I think I switched schools, I don't know, it's like nine schools in 10 years or something ridiculous like that. I need to always get the number right, but that, that's probably the wrong number, but it, it, it was a bit ridiculous. Um, at the same time, an absolute, absolute blessing. It, it certainly worked for me. Um, I always say that my experience has... And it took me a while to realize, I mean, one thing, I find that I'm, I'm great at connecting with different types of people, and I enjoy learning about different types of people. Um, what that's taught me is there is such a rich culture around the world, which we often take for granted, especially when we are just in whatever culture it is, right? I don't know, the fact that, you know, in the UK, we just had the uh, Queen's Jubilee. It's such a, like the event was such a British event, right? Um, And some other country may do it differently just in terms of the colors, in terms of the celebration, in terms of like, I don't know, I was walking around and and folks are having neighborhood parties. Like we sometimes take that for granted. And I think just given my upbringing, because I get the chance to just move between different cultures, I certainly try to stay very conscious of that. And that just gets me extra energized about just the possibility and creativity in the world. Um, What I've also recognized is that although we are very, there are lots of differences as human beings we're all the same right um the language may be different the way we express ourselves may be different and i think this comes up in my leadership style which also makes me a bit adaptable so i find that i'm able to adapt and shift to different people's style not because i'm shifting myself but because i'm able to kind of hear things from the perspective of everyone communicates slightly differently but it doesn't mean that it's better or worse, more or less, um, and I think just seeing that richness in different people, in different cultures, in different approaches um, certainly as a leader. I mean, first of all, it's exciting and it's interesting. It makes my my um, my world that much more fun. But then it also means that when when I think about seeing potential in people, my view of potential is not is not kind of streamlined. It's not well if this person comes in and you know, they do the, the consulting speak and say, I've got three things to tell you. It means they're necessarily smarter than someone who's a little bit more creative and all over the place. And all that means is that I kind of search for those gems. Um, and so, yeah, it's, so, it's interesting hearing that question now because obviously as a child, no one recognized that. All I think is my parents are dragging me around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, why can't I just stay in one place? But looking back in hindsight, it's definitely been, been a blessing. And I try to use some of that um, in all that I do and in running my business.
0: I've been cu- kind of interested in, particularly in the sort of startups or mm-hmm. organizations that are really driven, you know, they, they've, they've venture capitals and all that stuff. Um, I, I've seen two kinds of leadership styles. One, I think goes back to the 1950s so, so it's 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 completely neanderthal in, in, in its approach it's very um uh what i call dysfunctional masculine uh and then on the other side i've seen um the 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 the, the most beautiful aspects of of the young people coming into business who don't obey the old rules at all and they're inclusive and they really work together and whatever color you are whatever mm, gender you are you're just a team you know and and it's it's really been quite stark seeing these two different styles and not a great deal in the middle i mean ha- have you seen that mm-hmm. or is it am i is it just been my sort of particular experience
1: yeah that's really interesting um I'm now trying to think about kind of companies that I've worked with. I would definitely say it's, it's the ones that have come across certainly my plate has definitely been the latter. I think, I think it's partly just that maybe those would be the companies that would reach out to someone like me to work yes. with. Right. Um, having said that, there is definitely a difference in, if we think about kind of those old you know, as you said, corporates who have kind of been around since the ninth, early 1900s, I don't know, but the really well-established companies who are still doing great work. And there is definitely a difference in their style um, and in the composition of certainly people in leadership, right? And so I think there are a couple of factors that come into play there. One is the composition of leadership, right? As you said, on one side, it's sort of... Um, I mean, just being blunt, primarily white, primarily male, usually quite old or older in leadership versus kind of the startups where, I don't know, you could have like 20 something, the boss of, I don't know, someone who's 40, like it's such a mix. Um, so composition is one. The second, I think there's also a uh, longevity. So a lot of those earlier companies, people have been in there for a very long time, right? They've established the relationships. They're really, really entrenched in the companies. Whereas with the startups, people are moving around a lot more, right? Even if not outside companies, certainly within different functions, but definitely outside companies as well. Um, And so maybe even coming back to what you said earlier, when it comes to changing, you kind of have one, one organization that they're used to change. In fact, the pace of change becomes a bit of an issue because how do you bring people along with that pace of change? How do you ensure people aren't burning out? How do you make sure that you know, the person who you brought on as an individual contributor to do lots of different things to do the doing has now been there for three years. You want to double your number of people. So they need to move up to management. How how do you get them to quickly learn to do that Mm. when you've just raised capital? And it's just like, we've got to do this in three months, right? Mm. Mm. Versus the other, which is a little bit slower. So you said something about fear earlier, even when you think about the way people are working within that, you know, if, if, in in one organization, change and difference and varying opportunity is kind of part of the culture. So of course there's gonna be less fear of more change. Mm -hmm. And I mean, people don't like change, but you're kind of used to it. Whereas in another organization, when you've kind of, you're entrenched, you're a leader, you know your position, you know what the hierarchy looks like and now you're telling me to change, really? Of course, you'd be a little bit fear, fearful. It makes sense, right? It's like, I've been here for 30 years. Why, why change? This is going great. I just want to keep moving up and making my money. Um, but no, that's a really interesting observation. They are very, very different. It'll be interesting to see how that, that continues to evolve um, in the future.
0: Yeah. I think how um, to be truly visible is one of your main focuses with your clients. So how can we, we be more seen and valued?
1: Yeah, when I think about um, being seen, I often, I often and, and valued, I often focus on, on two things, certainly for my clients. One is, um, I mean, uh, the overarching thought is that you have to be strategic about both. Um, and I know strategy sometimes sounds like a bad word. Um, I definitely don't see it as, in fact, I love strategy. For me, I always think about like we have a choice in everything, right? You can't be seen by everyone right? And you can't be valued by everyone in exactly the same way. But what you can do is when you're thinking about being seen, like really think about who do I want to see me? And for what purpose, mm. right? And if you come from the perspective of mutually beneficial purpose, then um, it makes a difference. So I'll give you a really simple example. Um, there's a number of times where I, would, I will speak to someone the first time and they will say, oh, but I'm doing all this stuff, right? I'm I've signed up for this volunteer thing at work. I'm doing this project in my spare time. My manager sees the work I'm doing. Um, my manager's boss, I'm sure must see my work because I'm sure my manager is telling them I'm going out for networking drinks. And it's just like, all right, that's a lot. <laughs> Who's most important for, to, <laughs> to see you if you want the promotion or if you want to move into this, this next thing? And people often pause and they're like, huh? Yeah, I haven't really thought about that. Right, You're just trying to be seen by everyone and as many senior people as possible. I mean, it might work, but then you're spreading yourself too thin. So often a lot of the work that I do is going, let's get strategic about it. What do you want now? Who, Who has the power, the access, and the influence to get you that thing? That doesn't mean you ignore everyone else, but it just means that you kind of prioritize the way that you're seen slightly differently. And then value, it's like once you've actually identified the, certainly the priority people for what you're trying to achieve. Now you need to understand like, first of all, what is the value, not just the things you're doing. So again, shifting from the working harder, longer, faster to the the thing that you do, what's the ultimate value, right? It's the difference between, I'll often give the example of it's the difference between what do you do and saying, well, I I develop software for our accounting system. All right, (laughs) What's what's the value you bring? Well, if I didn't do what I did, our clients wouldn't, I don't know, we, we, we couldn't recognize which clients give us the best profit and therefore prioritize that work or prioritize clients who've increased work for us or something like that right it's like let's go straight to like the thing you do and how it hits the bottom line mm-hmm. so a lot of the work that I do there is how do you communicate your value how do you communicate your value in a way that's authentic to you where you don't feel like you're just bragging Because a lot of people come to me and they're like but if I say it it's like I'm just bragging my work should speak for itself but as a true leader it's not even about just your work it's not even about there's, there's an element which is advocating yourself for yourself and making sure people know the work that you're doing. But if you're truly thinking about impact, right, and how your work can be impactful on a business, I often coach my clients to see it as if, so for example, Tom, like you, if, if you don't know the value of what I do, if you're my boss, how can you utilize the value of what I do to help the business, Right. So it's, it's shifting it from I'm just telling you what I do because I want a promotion to I'm actually a leader in what I do. And it's not just about the doing. It's about connecting the dots for you so that my value is not only seen, but it creates impact for the business, which then shows that I understand more than just beyond the doing, but actually what what this business is, what's important to the business. Um, so, yeah, I, lo- I love talking about visibility. Um, being seen, being valued, partly because when I look at my career, I, could d- I definitely see the difference in when I really accelerated versus where I stalled based on when I prioritised those two things. Mm. And then I also see that for my clients as well. Like, it's so stark.
0: It's one of those things where if we can notice what we learn as we go through, then we have something to offer. Through Mm. our own self-awareness. Yeah. We're all on our own individual journeys. So to wrap up, can you give our listeners or viewers two top tips on what leaders can do to have a positive and a sustainable impact?
1: Mm. My first top tip, which is always my first top tip, is invest in yourself. Um, It's so interesting how, how many leaders focus on investing externally but i always say that if you think about success right you when it comes to success in something first of all you are the common factor in every single thing that's created success for you so it makes sense to optimize the thing that's like the common factor um and the second thing is you have hundred percent control of yourself you have like you can have various, various bits of control, influence on external factors, but you have 100% control of yourself. So invest in yourself, optimize yourself. If you can optimize yourself to the highest degree, um, then it means that you are increasing your, your chances and also your ability to have that positive and sustainable impact. The second tip um, is develop a diverse set of leaders. Um, I always say to people, you are one person. And so if you focus just on yourself as a leader, then there is only so much that you can do. So again, when I think about people talking about like the working faster, longer, harder, is such a theme (laughs) of which then leads to burnout amongst people who I speak to. Mm. But I say, if you focus on that and just what you are capable of doing, there's only so much your reach can get. So first of all, think about how do you utilize the people around you? Because then now your, your network, your reach is so much wider in terms of that positive, that sustainable impact. But then also if you're like, if I were to clone five of myself and I just try to get five, five of me to do stuff, like there's no diversity in that whatsoever, right? Sometimes we think of diversity like, oh, it's the black woman. No, if, if there are five of me, that's still, <laughs> that's still not diverse um, with the same knowledge, with the same background. There's no diversity of thought. There are no skill, different skill sets, different perspectives. So it's about developing leaders Um, people who not only have that diversity of skill sets, of backgrounds, of perspective, but they're also able to take on the ownership and carry your vision beyond what you even thought was possible. Now your reach is just extensive, and therefore that sustainable, positive impact is so much wider that you could do just by yourself. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Ywanda, thank you so much. so uh, if people want to find out more about you, how, how do they do that? What, what should they do?
1: Ah, uh, yes, yes. Um, so I'll tell you two things. One is a little gift for your uh, audience because I like gifts. Um, so I've created a, a, a link just for your audience called, and I think it's going to be in the, in the show notes, yeah. but it's at otitalleadership.com serenity. And what I put there is um, two things. One, I have um, a piece on how to perform in business like an elite athlete. So it really focuses on a lot of what we've been discussing today um, and helping hopefully your audience kind of better understand themselves in terms of the areas to focus on to perform better without burning out, without working longer, without working harder. And then um, the second is if anyone's up for a call with me. They're more than happy to have a chat. So within that link, they can also apply for that. If in doubt, I'm in LinkedIn. One of the benefits of having my name is at least I have not found anyone. Tom's gonna say he's found someone, but I have not found anyone yet (laughs) with my full name, Yoande Falyan. I'm I love, I mean, Tom, you'll know I love conversations like this. I love hearing about leaders and how you're doing and what works, what doesn't work, any questions you have. So connect with me on LinkedIn um, and just shoot me a message
0: brilliant thank you thank you I I, I I i love these 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 conversations but and i get to the end and i have all these new questions that i want to ask <laughs> and things to explore so i don't know maybe maybe we should have a a second a second edition um at some stage it's it's uh, it's it's so interesting um you know i think you know, we're, we're in the same world but we do I mean, we have different approaches and we have different sort of uh, f- focuses, mm. but we meet the same people to to a large extent. And it's 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 what's what's going on and what are the um, what are the challenges and how do you approach them? How do I approach them? And um, I'm, I'm fascinated about leadership and where it's going for the future, you know, and 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 what what in new leaders. What, how, do they, how do they differ from old leaders, if you like? Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fascinating, fascinating subject. And I think one of the things is that we're becoming much more individual. Um, and it's allowing people to be themselves as opposed to needing to fit in. I always remember when I, I worked um, in France a, a bit and I was working in a pharmaceutical and it was taken over by it was a small family business, and then it was taken over by Warner Lambert, which was, you know, an American pharmaceutical of a particular type. And then they very quickly afterwards were taken over by Pfizer. And, you know, the Pfizer people just came in and, you know, this is how we do things now because we do it the Pfizer way. And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that doesn't kind of work very well. You, know, you, you lose, there's a lot of casualties along the way there, um, just in the interest of of. of conforming. And and I I think tomorrow, there'll be so much less conformance, conformity, Mm. and what that looks like. Anyway, there you go. Thoughts for the future.
1: (laughs) I love that. And then what I thought was, and then you need different leaders who are able to lead with that Almost oh, lack of conformity. But I, I I hear what you say around asking questions. That's the coach in you looking to I had to hold myself back from asking you questions <laughs> throughout the whole that's, that's a great question. But what do you think about it? <laughs> <Stop>
0: it. Uh, <laughs> uh, such a pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you.